0: Welcome to Long-Term Care Radio on Seattle's Cairo Radio. Long-Term Care Radio is brought to you in part by 525 Advisors, your local long-term care experts. Brian Ott is a certified long-term care planning specialist and will show you how to protect the people you love from the financial, physical, and emotional consequences of a long-term care situation. Because of new state and federal laws, there are new and exciting options you need to know about. Now, here's your host, Brian
1: O. You know, I worked really, really hard to buy my very first car. Um, and to this day, I probably still got more joy out of that purchase than just about anything else I've bought in my life. It was a 1978 Camaro with a 350 V8, a four-barrel carburetor, three-speed automatic transmission, had Raleigh Sport wheels, the Jensen triaxial speakers in the back with a cassette player, I mean, take yourself back as a, as, a, as a young teenage boy. I mean, it makes me kind of want to wipe a tear away from my eye just thinking about that. I actually bought that car when I was 15, about six months before I turned uh, 16 and got my license. And I was able to buy that car because I had a job. Um, I, I started cleaning a meat market when I was 13, and I had that same job through high school. I had that job for five years, but it just gave me regular income and allowed me to buy this car, and I just thought it was fantastic. And I will just tell you as a side note, right now, as a parent, I have a 17 year old son and a 16 year old daughter. I don't think I would want either one of them buying a car like that for their first car. But you know, my parents supported me and they were behind me, and um, I just I just love that car. That car brought a lot of joy to me in so many different ways. You know, number one, it's freedom. You remember that feeling of getting on the bike for the first time and going for a ride through the neighborhood? You're like, wow. You know, you can actually you can go somewhere. And that was it. I, I had the freedom now to come and go, which was really, really cool. And and it was independence. I, I wasn't dependent on my parents to get me to work or to pick me up. Or I, I didn't have to take the school bus. That was probably the best part right there, actually. I did not have to take the school bus to, to school. So I really enjoyed that. Um, And and I t- tell you what, it, it was my connection to the outside world. You know, growing up in a small town in the '80s in southern Colorado, number one, we did not have the internet we didn 't have computers we did not have cell phones um, i didn 't even have cable television i didn 't see cable television until I got to college. I just had the three stations that came over the, the the air with the antenna on top of the house, so having the car was my connection to the outside world. You know, we would drive into town to go to A&W to see if your friends were hanging out or go to the park or just, just wherever, you know, just driving around to try to connect with people. That's, you know, and if you didn't have a car, they really stunk, right? I remember that when, you know, before I got my driver's license, I was riding around with my, my buddy Curtis all the time because he was a year older than me. But having that car allowed you to go to your friend's house and see your friends and, and be connected to the community. And I thought that was very important. And it also allowed me to do things that i would have never done and and i would say number one go skiing um i started skiing when i was 14 but you know trying to get up there i would hitch rides with some some other families that skied because my family didn't ski and then once i turned 16 and i got my driver's license i was able to start skiing because i could drive myself up to the ski area so i could ski on a regular basis now you got to picture that wolf creek pass snowy roads. Wolf Creek got more snow than any other ski area in Colorado, usually just, a, just a, a small area, but they get a ton of snow, and I'm driving a 78 Camaro up there, rear-wheel drive. So I still pretty much can drift about any vehicle I get in because I was forced to learn how to do it driving that car skiing. But anyway, you know, I love that car. I had that car through high school, I took it to college, and I sold it after my freshman year to buy a plane ticket to get a job and move up to Alaska. And so that I had that car for just, I bought it in 82, and then I sold it in, in the summer of 86. Now, let's fast forward 20 years. When I moved into, 25 years, when I moved into the house that I'm in today, my neighbor Jim, I pulled in, and he's got a 78 Camaro sitting in his driveway. And I was like, "No way!" So I went over and introduced myself, and I'm like, "Is that you know that Camaro? What year's your Camaro?" And he's a '78. I'm like, "That's what I had. That was my first car in school, ever. The first car I bought." And Jim looked at me and said, "Yeah, that's my first car too. I've saved it all these years. Come on over, take a look at it." And I was so excited. I, I was really excited to go over and check out this car. And I get over there, and his was a little beat up. I mean, it's 25 years older, of course, right? Sitting out in the sun and stuff, but. I got to the car, and I started looking at it, and I realized, huh, it's not quite as cool as I remember. You know, it was pretty, you know, pretty spartan inside. Um, I remember, like, my car, the seats didn't recline. There was no air conditioning. Um, it was actually pretty, sp- I mean, it was a big car, big hood for that engine, but it was a pretty small car inside, and you sat really low, and the dash seemed really high. And as cool as that car was, I looked at it, and I thought, you know, wow, things have changed. Um, things have really changed over the last 25 years. And as cool as that car is, it wasn't a car that I'd want to drive today. Now I still have several old cars and my wife and I go out and drive them and we enjoy them. But again, it's like short little fun, you know, day trips or something, or just going out and tooling around the neighborhood. But today, you know, the reality is the cars have advanced so much. We have so many more, you know, comforts and, and, um, Things that I just love, like I love that that the the push button start. I just love that the keyless start. I love the fact that you can get navigation in your car and out through your phone, or you can connect to your car and make a phone call hands free. And the cars just handle better. They have anti lock braking. They've got just so many more conveniences. And so when you look at those old cars and, you, and then you look at the new cars that are available, that's kind of you know I'm not saying the old car is bad. I just don't want to drive that old car as my daily driver. And so we look at cars and we say, why have cars improved so much over the years? Several reasons. New technologies, of course, um, but advances in engineering and materials, but also better data. They have more data on everything from safety to consumer preferences. And in fact, if you go to consumer preferences, why do we buy the things we buy? Sport utility vehicles in this country today outsell cars at a two-to-one rate. And there's no turning back. I mean, you've got Porsche now selling sport utility vehicles. It's not because they couldn't figure out how to, how to build one before. It's just that the demand is there for these vehicles now, and so that's what they're bringing to the market. Well, guess what? You guys are listening to Long-Term Care Radio. I know if you just tuned in, you're like, what are we talking about cars here for? Well, the Long-Term Care Insurance industry has gone through a similar transformation. In fact, back in when I'm driving my 78 Camaro, Long-term care insurance was just getting up and getting going. The first policies came out really in 1974, and so that early 80s was when they were really starting to become popular, and we're starting to see more and more companies develop these programs. But the insurance has changed tremendously. In fact, back in the day, it was considered nursing home insurance. That's what it used to be called, because nursing homes were expensive back then, and they're expensive today. So the the policies originally a lot of them were facility only policies meaning they would only pay for care in that nursing home that was the basic model and so long term care is it's been around since the 70s but remember my car when i'm driving in the 70s the cars had been around for 80 years before that i think it was uh, carl benz who sold the first car back in 1880s but the cars have had all this history to advance all the, the this this long a period of time to, to for people to study the consumers and study how cars work and study safety, and that's where those advances have happened. Well, long-term care insurance has done the same thing. It has greatly improved. It's got new features. It's got new benefits, and that's what we're going to spend some time on today. I want to talk to you about the differences between the old policies and the new policies, and those old policies that came out in the 70s, we've got to remember we invented this insurance. America invented long-term care insurance to solve a problem, and that was the high cost of nursing home. Well, all that data and all that information that we've collected over the years, guess what? Very few people spend time in nursing homes anymore. Most people there's, will bring people into their homes. We have these home health care services. People will go to adult family homes or assisted living facilities or continuing care retirement centers. There's just a wide variety of ways that we can get the help that we need now when we end up in an extended healthcare situation. So, long-term care insurance has evolved with that process, with the all this new data coming out and the, and the, the preferences that we have, and we have new programs. And that's what we're going to spend some time talking about today. Is that traditional plan? versus these new plans that are out on the market today. And I'm just going to dig into those a little bit and and kind of go over what's the same and what's different about some of these new programs. But first, before we get to that, I want to remind you we have a class coming up on Wednesday. It's the only class I have on the calendar. I might try to squeeze one more in by the end of June because then we have July 4th coming up. But our next class is Wednesday at 3 o'clock. You can sign up at our website at 525longtermcare.com. Again, 525LongTermCare.com. And those for you that are listening to this show live on Cairo in the Seattle market, you have a chance to jump on our class this morning, Saturday at 9 a.m. And so everybody else, my show is going to be airing later. But any of you that are up early listening to the show, you still have time, just go to our website again, 525LongTermCare.com. You can sign up for attend an event You'll get an email link sent to you, and all you do is you click on it, and you can participate in this class. And then, again, the next class is next Wednesday. That's the the last one that I have on the calendar right now, and then we'll get some more up there. So uh, stick around. We're going to head into our first break, and when we come back, let's talk about these new plans.
0: Many people with near or over a million dollars in assets will mistakenly pay more in taxes in a long-term care situation than it would have cost them to set up an insurance plan to pay for the care needed. Learn more by attending Brian's free asset-based class. Sign up now at 525longtermcare.com. This is Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott. Listen and learn information from a certified long-term care planning specialist. You can email your questions to radio at 525advisors.com.
1: And welcome back, and thanks again for tuning in to Long-Term Care Radio. Again, if you ever miss part of the show, you're out driving in your car, you can always... Get our podcast. You can just go to 525longtermcare.com. You can uh, click on the radio tab. It'll get you a link to the podcast. Or you can also get them through iTunes or any place like that. Um, And, again, we've got one class left coming up on June uh, 5th. That is, I'm sorry, June 9th. That's Wednesday. This next Wednesday, that's going to be at 3 p.m. So that is our um, last class that I have on the calendar. And then for those of you, if you missed that or you missed the class that we had this morning, you can always just check our website. We're going to get new ones up there. We're just still kind of trying to figure out the dates right now for July because we've got July 4th there. And uh, we're going to try to get a couple more on the calendar for you because we've got a lot of people I know that are trying to figure out – and, um you know, what their options are to get out of this Washington state tax. For those of you that live in Washington, we have that new payroll tax coming at the first of the year. And you've got to have a plan in place by November 1st if you want to avoid that and get out of that. So. Let's talk uh, this week a little bit. Uh, Let me introduce you to Amy, who is 51. Um, This is an asset-based plan, and it's one of our most flexible plans. I mean, this is truly the sport utility vehicle of long-term care insurance planning. It's got a lot of features and a lot of options. It's not the perfect plan. None of them are, but for this person, it happened to be the right fit, and I'm going to show you kind of what we did and how we put this plan together. So again Amy is 51, she's still working. She plans on working for probably another 8 to 10 years. She wasn't real sure on that, but she was hoping that she could retire, you know, maybe around 60, but she really liked her job, so it wasn't like she had it set in stone that yeah, I'm going to retire in 6 years or something. She so she thought probably 10 years she would be working or maybe a year or two less. She has two children who are both out of school, they're independent. Um, neither of them are married yet, and neither of them live next to her. They're both living out of state. Her biggest concern right now is having the resources and the flexibility to pay for a care situation should she need it. She wants to make sure that she has a dedicated source of money to pay for those, that, that care. Um, and she doesn't want to try to guess how much of her savings she needs to set aside. And, of course, that's always the problem. If I'm self-insuring, well, what's the magic number? Well, nobody knows. That's why they're saying you're probably going to be okay because nobody, nobody really knows what the, what the cost is going to be. Um, she's concerned that she will pay into the state long-term care plan for another eight or ten years and not get anything out of it. Now, remember, you've got to pay into it for ten years to get vested, or if you file a claim, they're going to look back the last six years and you've had to pay in for three. So if she works eight years and she retires, she would have to go on claim three years after that in order to be vested in the state plan. So she just knows that's probably not going to happen, so that's just a waste of money. She just got through watching a good friend of her um, quit a job to take care of her mother. And she thought, man, that's just tragic because you know, so many people do that. So many caregivers do that. They end up either cutting their hours back or sometimes just quitting their job altogether to take care of a loved one because that's their you know, the best option for the family. And unfortunately, you know what it does is it it, it stunts the, the finances of, of the, the person that's quitting the job. Obviously, not only are they not bringing the income in, they're not able to save for the retirement. So, she just saw that going, and she thought, "Man, I do not want that happening to my kids down the road," um, because it's just it, it was a sad story, and she just saw it firsthand. So, here's what we found out about Amy during our conversation. Um, Amy was going to retire. She, when she did retire, she would have pension and Social social Security. So she would have some guaranteed income for life. It was going to be a life pension. And so that and her Social Security, she knew she could count on that. She would always have that. She had a nice little 401K account, and she was still continuing to contribute to that. She was growing that, so she was hoping that that would, that would turn out good in the future. Her house was paid off. Um, kids were out of college. they were They were good to go. Her husband had just passed away a few years ago. And she had some life insurance money sitting on the sidelines. So she had a chunk of cash that she could use for long-term care planning. But she wanted to keep as much of that money as she could because her and her husband had talked about that, that – you know, they were in a position financially, if they could set some of that money aside, they would use it as kind of a you know, number one, a, a safety net, but number two, maybe something that they could help their kids buy a house with. Because, you know, anybody that's out looking for a house right now, you just know how expensive and how hard it is on this younger generation to buy a house. So she was hoping that maybe she could keep some of that money and, and pass it on to the kids when they're ready to buy a house. Um she wasn't opposed to living in a community. This was something we talked about, meaning you know, are you? would you consider an assisted living community or a continuing care retirement center? Or do you just want to only live in your house? And so she said, no, I I would like to age in my home, of course. I'd like to be in my house, but I'd like to be around my family and friends for as long as I can. But she said, I'm not opposed by any means of moving into an assisted living facility. She actually thought that might make sense, depending on the type of facility it was. So she was pretty open-minded. So My point on this is she was just looking for a plan that would cover everything, right, and be flexible and allow her to stay at home as long as she could. But if she moves into a facility, she would consider that. She really liked the idea of being able to pass money back to the kids. So, again, now we're going back to this asset base. Traditional plans, you're going to pay into these plans, but there's nothing coming back if you don't use it. Asset base is going to bring back money to the estate if you get lucky and you don't use your long-term care insurance. She was currently saving money outside of retirement, and that's always a question I ask. I'm like, tell me about your cash flow. What are you actually doing with money right now? I'm maxing out my 401k, great. How much money are you able to set aside every month out of your income? And then we talk about that, and she was setting money aside and she saved that. And lastly, the, the key point on this, Amy was very healthy, so she had a lot of options. She did not have any issues, and so we could look at all the different carriers And, folks, that's what's great about being 51 and healthy is that you have all the options available to you, all the traditional, all the asset-based plans. And so that was very nice for us. So here's what we did for Amy. After looking at all of her options, we settled on an asset-based plan. She agreed. She liked those features. She liked the idea that the money would be paid back to her if she didn't use it. She liked the idea of a finite amount of money going into the plan. And she just she just really liked the features of the plan that we picked, but given her the flexibility to pay for care in a wide variety of ways. And so we decided to fund this plan over time so she wouldn't have to touch her savings. Now, she had a chunk of money. She could have just done a one-and-done payment, but we decided against that. We decided to look at doing it over time because she had extra money coming in. She had savings, and the payments are guaranteed level. So she thought, well, that would be a good fit for me. We set up a limited pay plan, so 10 years. So she has one payment for 10 years. So that's every year she'll get her annual statement, and that's it. After 10 years, the plan is fully paid up. Um, And what was really refreshing about that is she was looking at that saying, look, that's perfect for me because I'm probably going to work 8 to 10 years, and so just having this plan paid up when I retire would, would make me feel really good. So she really liked that idea of that. Um, We made it possible for her to get all of her money back if she needed to cancel her plan after she paid into it. Now, remember I was telling you these asset-based plans have cash value in them. Some of them you can get half your money back. Some of them you'll get three-quarters of your money back. Some of them you'll get 100% of your money back. It depends how you design the plan. And what I mean by that is what are we giving up for that? How much are we putting in? Are we, are we going to maximize our long-term care? Or are we going to trim the long-term care benefit just a little bit so that we can have more cash value in the plan? There's just a lot of flexibility in the way we can design these plans. And why would she cancel her plan? Um, a lot of people will ask that. The vast majority of these plans will never cancel, but some do. And and you know, maybe she gets married again. She's fifty one. She's relatively still young, so maybe she would want to take that money and move it into a joint plan. Uh, maybe something catastrophic happens that she needs to support a family member. Maybe there's a better option down the road. Um, you know, or or maybe Bernie Sanders is in, and we're all living you know for free. Everything is free. So you know, who knows? I'm being a little bit facetious there, but the, the cash value surrender just says, hey. It gives me some flexibility. And I'm, I'm saying we're driving down the road, win, lose, or draw. Win as I live a long life and I die. The death benefit's going to be paid out. Lose, I end up in long-term care. I got that tax-free long-term care benefit. Draw, something happens. My business fails. My marriage falls apart. I get remarried. Whatever it is, I need that money back. I can get that money back. That's the flexibility of this plan. It's just really great. And then lastly, this plan is a cash benefit plan. That means that when she goes on claim, she gets cash every month so her full monthly benefit is paid to her she does not have to have receipts what does she give up for that Well, she gives up the concierge level claim service but that being said she has a good network she has a good family and she believes that you know she can also get care coordination there's private companies out there she'll have the cash to pay for that so she wasn't too worried about that so here's how the plan works we did 10 guaranteed level payments of fourteen thousand dollars so again, unlike traditional plans, these payments will never increase. She's going to she's going to know. I'm going to write a check for $14,000 every year for 10 years and then my plan is fully paid up. Now, by the way, if she goes on claim prior to 10 years, say at year 8, she's not going to make those last payments. The the waiver premium is built into this plan just like a traditional plan. It provides her with an initial monthly cash benefit of $5,100 a month, or a little over $61,000 a year, for a total coverage of $367,000. So remember back to prior shows, I'm saying long-term care is a bucket of money. So her bucket of money has $367,000 in it today, and she can pull out five thousand one hundred dollars She just wrote a check for $14,000 for that. That benefit is available to her today, by the way. She doesn't have to make all 10 payments. Now, we put a 3% compound inflation growth factor on that. That's a rider, and all that does is it grows that bucket of money by 3% every year, and it grows the amount of money that she can take out, that 5,100, by 3%. Now, this is key for a 51-year-old, because she's healthy, she's young, hopefully she doesn't need this, maybe, and she does, hopefully she's down in her 80s, and so if you go out and you say, well, let's go 30 years out, she's 81, she now has $959,000 in her bucket of money that she can take $9,200 a month out, and again, that's six years of coverage. I mean, all you're doing is you're dividing what the monthly amount is that you can take out into your total bucket of money, so she has a minimum of six years of coverage, this plan also comes with a death benefit that starts at day one. So, again, she's younger, and she writes that check for $14,000, and she gets hit by the bus and she's gone. $122,000 is paid out to her estate tax-free. Now, if she doesn't get hit by the bus or she, she ends up in long-term care, she has coverage from day one. But the idea is that, guess what, she doesn't have to make all 10 payments before that death benefit is paid out. So this is where these hybrid plans are truly hybrid. We have some life insurance component to it, which is important early on, but really what we got it for is the growing long-term care insurance. So that death benefit starts out at 122, and it's going to grow up to about 170. And remember, she's putting $140,000 into the plan, so she's guaranteed to get more money back than she she put into the plan, regardless of what happens. In fact, if you go out, let's go out that 30 years and say she uses all... $900,000 of long-term care insurance and then she dies, this plan still has a guaranteed minimum death benefit of $24,000. I call that the funeral fund. So she'll get more money back than she put into the plan regardless of what happens which is really kind of nice. So really think about what this has done for, for, for Amy here. She has got One of the most flexible plans that I can design, the trade-off is it is not lifetime benefits. She's going to have about six years of coverage. She's comfortable with that. She does have cash benefits, which means she can pay family members or informal care. She liked that idea. Um, She's got a death benefit on the front end. She knows she's only putting $140,000 into this plan. She's going to do it over the 10 years instead of a lump sum because she can afford those payments. And she's got the cash savings setting aside right now. So if she lost her job in five years, and that's what I always say. I say, look, if you're going to make these payments and something happens to your income stream, like five years down the road, you lose it. How would you pay? She's like, well, I could still pay because I have this, this savings that she was saving for the kids. But it just is a really good, flexible plan that gives her a tremendous amount of options. And, folks, this is what's wonderful about these new plans. She can get 100% of her money back after she's made her payments. So she's made 10 payments in she can cancel and get $140,000 back. If she cancels it, say, year five after she's made you know $70,000 of payments, she still gets $56,000 back. So there's always cash value in the plan. We just set it up that once she's through paying into the plan, she can get 100% of her money back if she has to cancel her policy. But she's got a growing tax-free long-term care benefit year after year after year. And think about it. She's like 85. She's got over a million dollars of tax-free long-term care insurance. She put $140,000 into the plan. She knows she can use all that long-term care insurance, and the estate still gets $24,000 back. So just a just a very, very flexible plan. I really enjoy um, helping people design plans like this because it it covers us in so many different scenarios versus just an old-fashioned traditional plan. So, I got to come up for air again. I always get excited on these client of the week. Um, Let's head into our last break, and when we come back, I got a question from a listener about when benefits start. So I'm going to explain that. We'll be right back.
0: Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott, providing valuable insight to protect you in the event of an extended health care situation. Learn more by attending one of Brian's free classes this month. Sign up now at 525longtermcare.com. 525longtermcare.com. Staying in control of your care options is a better alternative than letting the government decide for you. Welcome back to Long Term Care Radio with Brian Ott, Certified Long Term Care Planning Specialist with 525 Advisors.
1: And welcome back, and thanks again for tuning into the Long Term Care Radio podcast. Um, Man, we have had such a beautiful week of weather out here in Seattle um, this last week. I've just really been enjoying it. In fact, I went down to California last Thursday, just a real quick trip. I had to go down there and do a podcast for a, an advisory group and um, beautiful weather down there and it was just raining you know cats and dogs when we left up here Seattle and got to California, had a couple nice days, and we came back on Saturday and it was just absolutely gorgeous so i 've just enjoyed this summer weather. It is here. Um, love the sunshine. So, um, again, our next class is Ju- uh, June 9th. That's Wednesday. This coming Wednesday at 3 p.m. If you've got time, I really suggest you sign up. We're getting a tremendous amount of uh, interest because of the state tax. We're going to talk about options, some different plans. I mean, the truth is a lot of you out there have been thinking about long-term care planning, and you were going to do it. You're not you know, adverse to it. It's just that. Now, all of a sudden, the state is kind of pushing us forward because if we don't get one of these plans put in place by November, what's going to happen? We're going to end up getting taxed on every dollar that we make. Um, And that's going to be paid into a trust fund for a benefit that a lot of us are just never going to use. So we're getting a lot of interest on that. And I will just tell you the carriers are backing up. They're going first come, first serve. And so if this is something that you want to do, you should really still take the first step and start with a webinar. go to our website five two five long term care com Get yourself educated on what long term care is because the idea for us is we want to design a meaningful plan for you. Something that, like we did for Amy, I mean, this is an asset for Amy. She's going to take money that she has and move it from one account into another account, and that money is always going to be available for her, but it's going to give her tremendous protection down the road. It's going to protect her and protect her family. So, we're going to work with you on that. Just, you know, you need to kind of look at some of those examples on our website. Get an idea of a budget of what you can do, and then we can help design a plan for you. Because we are the clock is ticking pretty pretty fast, and so um, next class Wednesday at three p.m. And again, sign up at five two five longtermcarecom dot com. So I got a question from uh, an email came in through our website, and the the person um, this was Shannon. Um, Shannon just said. If I set up a ten-pay plan, so that's like the one we just went over in our client of the week. What she means by that is ten annual payments, ten guaranteed payments, and then the plan is paid in full. She says, if I set up a ten-pay plan, do I have to wait until it is paid before I can make a claim? And you know, this is a a, a good question, Shannon. Because again, I, I you know I understand it. To me, of course, I see these questions like, huh, that's kind of interesting. I, I appreciate it because it makes me realize what people are really thinking about out there. Long-term care insurance, regardless of the type of plan that you get, whether it's a traditional plan or whether it's an asset-based plan, starts the day the policy is issued. So, Shannon, if you take out a 10-pay plan today and you write one check and you get hit by the bus and you get the spinal injury and now you're on claim, that's it. You've got coverage. You Just like our client of the week, she's going to start out with $367,000 of coverage today, even though she only made one Payment. Now, if you're paying monthly, it's the same thing. So, yes, the coverage starts, but the insurance carriers know that, and that's why there's medical underwriting. So, a lot of people think, well, like everything else, I'll just, you know, we get calls all the time. People are calling us because they just got back from the doctor, and well, now they need long term care, so now it's time to get the insurance. It doesn't work that way. You've got to get it while you're healthy. So, that's why they're underwriting you because the insurance carriers know that as soon as you go on claim, not only are they paying money out to you, you are no longer paying premiums into them because that's that waiver of premium that kicks in on these plans. And so remember, coverage starts when the policy is issued, even if you're paying monthly. Benefits will grow if you have the inflation rider. So for for most of the plans that are out there, if you go on claim and you have that 3% inflation rider, your benefits are growing by 3% every year. So, like, my grandmother had the inflation rider on her policy, so every year her monthly benefit would increase a little bit because that inflation rider continues to grow the benefit even though she was on claim. If you do a limited pay, you have full benefits at day one. You also have the waiver of premium built in. So, again, I'm on a 10 pay, I have the waiver of premium built in. So if I make five payments and I get hit by the bus, I'm on claim, that's it. I only have to make those five payments. If I'm doing a 10-pay and I'm on claim for, say, years three and four, and then I heal up and I come back, well, then you would make payments starting again like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So you would waive those those payments for those two years that you were on claim. And if you have an asset-based plan with a death benefit, you also have to remember, just like Amy, our client of the week, her death benefit is good today. That's that hidden bonus for long-term care insurance. We did not buy this for life insurance for Amy. She had some other life insurance, but this is just bonus. She wrote the check for 14000 She gets in an accident and she passes away. $122,000 is available day one tax-free to her kids. That's the bonus on those plans. And so, yes, the benefits start. Today, as soon as you issue that policy, you are covered. You don't have to make all those payments, and so I think that gets confusing on the limited pay five years, ten years, twenty years. People think, well, what does that mean? And also, the other thing that gets kind of the other aspect on this is that the money doesn't expire. A lot of people get confused when I say a ten-year plan, meaning, well, I might be on claim within ten years, or, or it might be ten years or, or twenty years before I go on claim, and so my ten-year plan expires. Is like, no, no, when We're talking about a 10 pay or a 20 pay. We're talking about the number of payments, 10 annual payments, 20 annual payments, five annual payments, whatever it is. That's just the payment, that's the funding mechanism. The policy, once it's paid up, the policy is good until you die. Long-term care insurance policies do not expire. The money in the bucket does not expire. If you have the inflation rider on it, the money's going to continue to grow. Now we have a couple carriers that will limit inflation to 20 years. So if you're 65 and you say, I only want my money to grow until I'm 85. You can do that. But as a general rule, most of the time, the inflation just continues to grow that policy. So that's one of the, the, the things that people get confused on is when I say four years or like this policy right here for Amy that was six years, well, if she's only taking out half of her monthly benefit, the policy technically would last her 12 years. The money in the bucket never expires. What they're saying is you have this bucket of money. It's growing. You can take X amount out a month, but if you're using less than that, the rest of the money just stays in your bucket for you to use at a future date. So a four-year policy could very well last you six years, and that's not uncommon. So, But again, yeah, great question, Shannon. Your policy, the benefits start today. And I was talking to a, a client this week. You've got to remember, a third of the claims out there, roughly, for long-term care are for people under age 65. And the leading cause to those claims are accidents and cancer. And those are two things that a lot of people heal up from. So, like I had a nurse that came in and we were putting a policy together for her. And she said, yeah, I just had a a patient that got in a car wreck and broke their pelvis. She goes, you know how much therapy and rehab they're going to be in? They're going to be in that for years. I go, but they'll heal up? And she said, yeah, well, your long-term care would cover that. So, again, great question. If you have a question for us, uh, you can sign up at 525longtermcare.com. There's a way that you can send a question in to us there. Also sign up for one of our classes. Next class is Wednesday at 3 p.m. And then we'll get a couple more on for July Thanks again for spending your weekend with us. I hope everybody has a a, a great weekend, and we'll be back next week.
0: Thanks for listening to Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott. Event info, planning resources, and Long-Term Care Radio podcasts can all be found at 525longtermcare.com. To schedule an appointment with Brian Ott, call 425-748-8188. That's 425-748-8188. For more information on the show or to sign up for a free long-term care planning class, visit 525longtermcare.com. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 to Long-Term Care Radio with your host, Brian Ott, on Cairo Radio.